Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 80. We'd like to thank this cast for being sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc. and GatheringMagic.com with a sweet 25% online buy list bonus, as well as an amazing bevy of articles to be found on GatheringMagic.com. CoolStuffInc.com is a store for all of your magic gathering needs. They also have a holiday sale going on right now if you guys are interested in that. You can get some commander decks on the cheap. I'm joined, of course, as always, with noted co-host, fresh back from his honeymoon period, Travis Allen of MTG Price, MTG Fast Finance, and Scry.Lands. I'm also joined, of course, with Jim Casali. He uh, does things on uh, Quiet Speculation and watches the Rangers not play great. And of course, we're joined we as always. Last game. We shut out Ottawa. What does that even of mean? Of course, as always, I'm joined by bad audio used card salesman Ed Wynn of Kerwin's Games. And did you stole my pawn? And I'm Jeremy. Uh, I do things involving magic. But uh, we had some controversy today. Ed decided to uh, to try a brand new theory that led to like the most commented Facebook post I have seen in ages. Ed, if you want to explain your uh, thoughts on how you successfully triggered all the MTG finance people out there, shout out to Ed for, shout out to Ed for telling me to register for the high end Facebook group and then failing to approve me five times. It's funny because there's an admin of that group sitting right next to Ed right now. So he said he approved you, so I don't know why you can't access it, but he said he approved you like three hours ago. Um, anyways, earlier today, I had uh, I posted a list, a bunch of cards. You probably see some of them here. Uh, if you want these cards, these are all available on my high-end post. You can message me, Twitter, whatever. These are for sale. You can only buy these via Bitcoin. That is the only way you can get these numbers on these cards. Uh, as soon as you agree to the transaction, I will screenshot the current exchange rate from USD to Bitcoin, and then that is the amount that I need to receive in Bitcoin. Uh, and then it just goes through like any other transaction, other than the fact that I will not take USD, I will not take PayPal, I will not take Euros, I will not take any form of currency other than Bitcoin. Or Ethereum. <clears throat> I'm actually down to receive Ethereum as well, someone brought that to my attention. Um, so anyone who was on the high end, uh, it, was a first, it was a fun first few hours, I think. When I posted it, I went and took a shower and then came back and had something like 60 notifications on my phone of just messages, comments, etc. Um, so uh, that was my morning. Eventually, I got, uh, got Dan Box attention. <laughs> so he had to go through and moderate. And they went through and I guess they purged a ton of people. They deleted a lot of off-topic comments. A lot of people complaining and criticizing about, um, about people... Uh, about people commenting on it without actually providing content, which is violating like the very first rule of the high end group. Shout out to Ed having shitty audio, no matter even if he's at home, because his uh, his fellow arbitragers can't keep their mouth shut for two minutes counting their stacks of money. Do you see this? Do you see this? High yeah. end requested to join this group. You requested. It's clear. Monty, yeah, tell Monty. It. Tell Monty to stop talking and Adam. <laughs> Do I have to? I mean, he missed all the good parts. Like, at one point in time, there was like 275 comments. Like, that's like the highest I remember seeing. And now it's only down to like 50. It just deleted all the good stuff. Oh, there were like, there were like over, there were almost 400 comments at one point. Like, most of them were just pure gold. Like, there were a lot of good one liners that probably. I, I was a really big fan of the do you write on your magic cards? Who even does that? Ed, do you want to explain your strategy on why you're trading cards for Bitcoin? Um, so I just had this idea at the Grand Prix. So cards I had available in the case, I wrote Bitcoin only. Um, so rather than go into some huge explanation about Bitcoin and what it is, um, basically it's a cryptocurrency. I'm sure most people know about it. Uh, it has a wildly fluctuating value. Um, you can receive this... Uh, <laughs> You, um, basically, all you do is open up a wallet. I can pull it up right here real quick. Um, but basically, you can walk around with this. You can download. There's a million apps that have wallets uh, where you can exchange money. Uh, but I literally pull up this QR code. All right, here it comes. That QR code that Ed is showing right now 
you're going to scan it and you're going to be like 4,300. That has $4,300 worth of Bitcoins. And then you're going to realize it's 4,300 Bitcoins and you're going to get a feel for Ed's life. Because he's a high roller. So all that QR code does is if anyone is watching on YouTube, you can actually pause the video and you can uh, open up your camera and take a shot of it. Yeah. And it will quite literally send you to your... Literally. It'll tell you... Hey, guys, keep it down. Um, it will literally send you to any whatever wallet you use. Literally. You can send money. You can send money. Um, you can send money to me. I get the money in probably about three to five hours, depending on how fast you send it. And uh, and I give you the card. It's literally uh, that simple. Um, I was willing to give people, anyone who bought cards from me at Bitcoin at 10% discount. Uh, most of the numbers on here are uh, roughly at buy list. Like this is a $208 uh, metal worker that's foil. Um, mainly because I just want to get rid of these. It's, uh, I think Bitcoin is super liquid. Um, in the time that I sold a Lotus yesterday for 2,500 equivalent in Bitcoin, um, the the fact that I went from about 7,900 yesterday to 8,200 this morning meant that all my fees were covered, and I'm getting more back from Lotus than what I paid for it already. And if current trends uh, continue, um, I think it will hit 10,000 before the end of the year, which means that the Bit uh, the Black Lotus would have sold for 3,100. Um, which is far more than what the retail price of someone who is trying to sell it normally is going to get. Um, so that's kind of the long and short of it. If you really have questions about it, you can always message me. I'll try and answer it more. But that's kind of the strategy for accepting Bitcoin at this point. Anything that you guys want to add, Travis or Jim? Uh, the Korean barbecue place that's near me accepts Bitcoin as payment. So uh, Ed's really excited about being able to use them somewhere. I talked about this uh, rather extensively about two weeks ago on the other cast. Um, you know, at the time, the only I only knew one person really touting Bitcoin, and that was James. But now I've got Ed going on about it too. I loathe to say this out loud, but I may consider buying some too. I hate the feeling. It seems like a complete roller coaster like i could buy in at eight or nine thousand and suddenly find them at 700 in two months because it's bitcoin and it can do that the flip side of that is i could buy in at nine thousand and it could become fifteen thousand like there you know when we talk about magic cards you talk about like conceptual numbers right like to talk about a million dollar magic card doesn't make sense you're like there's what magic card would cost a million dollars um even anything that you buy from daniel chang <laughs> sure. So even like even like fifty thousand dollars for a magic card, you can't really like reconcile that. And think about it in like from like a modern perspective, like a card in modern being worth uh, twelve hundred dollars. You're like, well how, well, how can a magic card cost that much money? It doesn't make any sense. You don't have that number for Bitcoin. You have no conceptual framework for like how much a coin should be worth. If I told you they're worth twenty five cents, which they used to be worth, versus nine thousand dollars, like whatever. Okay, that's what they're worth. So. I don't know. It seems like the ceiling on this is ludicrously high at the same time. I don't know. The whole thing makes me uneasy and makes me worried that I'm not going to buy it and then miss out on them. So I have two things I want to add here. The reason why Ed is using Bitcoin at buy list prices is because the more people that get into using Bitcoin, the higher it goes just by nature of people using the Bitcoin. So like even by stirring up controversy on the high end page, he had like 17, what is it? They have like 40,000 people that could have seen the thread that could have bought into Bitcoin further causing an artificial scarcity. Um, the other thing is something we preach in finance all the time, and even Ed has said it himself, you can always pass on something for something that better that comes along. So Travis, even though it might seem like a good idea, there's something else you could wait for that could potentially just be better. Um, but I, that's just how I would look at it. At it, Because Ed's motive right now is I have a lot of Bitcoin the more people I talk about Bitcoin, the more people that get involved in Bitcoin, the higher it should go, theoretically. Like, I, I think like this is quite literally the best possible example of me putting my money where my mouth is, right? Like there's, I'm not hiding anything here. I'm literally accepting your Bitcoin because I have that much confidence in Bitcoin. Literally. Literally. Um, and it's super simple, right? Like, Wait, do like, we take a drink for that one? Is it every oh, it's, when, it's when he says ubiquitous, I believe. Is, oh, okay. Yeah. That's what oh. our listeners came up with is every time Ed says ubiquitous drink. I thought that someone was complaining that he said literally too much. No. Is that somebody else? Okay, that must have been something else. 
No, I get what you're saying. Like the, and I've said that before too. Like, don't worry about not buying this car because there'll be another one right around the corner, which is true. But there's also like, to the extent that if you never pull the trigger, you never do anything. Yeah. So it just I don't know. It depends on how much confidence you have in it, right? I have a lot of confidence. Ever since I started looking at this seriously, like right before Hong Kong, like Monty and I were joking about it. Like this is very similar to what Magic felt like in 2013. If anyone wasn't riding that wave, it was, it, it was just getting better literally every single day. It just felt like when we were, so uh, if I can pull up a chart here. You bought an F57. So this is the chart for one month ago. It's really hard to see, but at uh, this time, right before Thanksgiving, it was about 5,700, 5,800. And then while we were on the plane from Seattle to Hong Kong, it went to 6,400. And 6,000 was, was a milestone at that point. And then probably about a week later, it hit 7,000. And then just... Then it dropped to 57. And then it tanked for a little bit uh, due to some various things. We, I can, I'm not going to go into huge detail. Uh, dropped back down. And then this morning, it hit, uh, it hit uh, 8,000. And now it's currently sitting at 8,200. Um, and it just feels like... You know, people are always saying like, oh, I'm going to sell at 8,000. I'm going to sell at 7,000. People are going to sell at these points. But it just feels like you can continue to buy if you have that much confidence in the market because the next goal is going to be 9,000, which very realistically could happen before, I don't know, by the end of the week or something. And then after that, if I, I honestly believe that Bitcoin will hit 10,000 uh, USD per one. Um, that's the next step. And I'm, I'm willing to put everything into Bitcoin because that's what I believe. Man, um, the, the Bitcoin subreddit will be unreadable not that reddit is ever readable but will be like the hottest dumpster fire on the internet the day that index crosses nine thousand. Oh yeah that, that, that's one of the right memes um i follow like i'm like on the discord the reddit and just but on a bunch of forums for re-bitcoin um but yeah that nine thousand will probably be the day the internet just breaks um but i'll see you sure. Uh, I, like, I, I, I don't really want to spend much more time on it. Like, it's all available on high end. It's still there to read. Uh, if anyone wants to go back, you can message me. You can ask questions. I'd be happy to I would them. go back and read it, but I can't get to the page. Uh, I don't think Bitcoin will make you rich. It's not like what it was in 2012 when it was 500 a coin and people were going crazy. And, like, it's really hard to mine now with all the other stuff going on. I have friends that mine it to like help pay very very small amounts for magic uh they have like a bunch of computers set up and that's all they do and like the electricity bill is insane but because bitcoin keeps going up it's worth it for them that's think- like so hard to fe- like that's so hard to like imagine because there are computers now that are just set up to do that like they're right. just that's what so they more efficient yep. yeah but like they don't own a server farm do they like they can't the investment can't possibly be worth it no, I'm pretty well. When they started out two years ago, they were using one of the school's like servers, and then the school shut them down, which obviously happened. They got away with it for a couple of months. Um, <laughs> they then, after graduation, like they and all their engineering buddies, because they're all in IT or engineering, are working on something else. And I never really like looked into it because I've never been very big into cryptocurrency. Uh, I've been more in favor of like the traditional investing with what little money I, I can put into the market. Um, but I'm just, I would just rather invest in, in bullion and wait for the market to go down next year and then pounce then. So that's my plan. But uh, we all are investing at different amounts anyway. And it also depends if your employer will like match your 401k, stuff like that. I think my favorite Bitcoin story is uh the guy who set up a server farm, a very, very small server in his closet, and then it was generating so much heat that he put a metal rack above his computer and then would cut apple slices and put the apple slices on the rack above his tower and dry them out using the heat from his CPU and then sold them. And he's like, look, I'm getting second money because I'm using the heat to like dry out these apples and sell them. And then he got like sued by the FDA. <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> that was not the ending I was talking about. That is a great ending. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's real interesting. Like, you have all these nerds that play Magic that want to hop on the next big thing and get like those same returns <clears throat> that we had in 2011 or whatever on Magic cards. But 
I think for the long term, it is much better to invest in general stuff. And if you don't want to sweat Bitcoin going up and down every day, just like the market, except even sometimes more volatile either way, I'd just stay away. That's just my personal opinion on it. Like, do I have some amount of Bitcoin? Yes. Is it what Ed has? No. Am I that concerned about it? Not as much as the normal stock market. So it's just where I am right now. Yeah. I and if Ed was so good at Bitcoin, say like any, if I have cards in display, you will get 10% off. Just no questions asked on any purchase. If you, if you give me Bitcoin. And if Ed was so good at Bitcoin, then his internet would always be stable. So I, mean, hey, I, I can't help that. I can't help that. Um, that, that wasn't a good pun. That wasn't a pun. But I like we, you know, just ask yourselves like, how long before other vendors start catching on? I've had other vendors saying like, man, you get your like, why hadn't I thought of this? It's just so easy to, it's just so easy to do transactions. Transactions literally take less time than what it is from someone to hand you money and then you go get change for them. And there's just such a high level of granularity, right? You can divide a Bitcoin to down to one ten millionth, I think. Um, so you have like a bunch of microtransactions that are just super super easy to do. Uh, and then what happens when like another vendor accepts it? There's literally no downside to accepting it. So I like well, to pay my taxes. That you own Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, I like to pay my taxes easy peasy, and I am not writing Bitcoin into my magic transactions. <laughs> Got to be upfront with that. It reminds me of uh, Brian Kibler years and years ago talking about going to his accountant, and he's like asking about his expected earnings for next year. He's like, "Well, that depends on whether." Uh, Squadron Hawk gets reprinted. <laughs> so it's just something to keep in mind. Um, obviously, there's that whole dark web. Oh, no, Bitcoin's untraceable by blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm just staying away for all business purposes. I have accepted bullion for magic cards, but I've never accepted Bitcoin. How many Silver Jays coins have you accepted? Uh, three, I believe. Oh. So like, is, is that something like, how do you register that on your taxes? How do you account for that? If you don't mind me asking, you say I received like one Troy ounce of silver. Like, yeah. Or so someone paid me in like, they've paid me in 36 Troy ounces of silver, 55 Troy ounces of silver and 28 Troy ounces of silver at three different times. We registered it as market value at the time and then market value when taxes were done. And then my accountant had to do a lot of work on it. So that's basically one of those things where you throw it off to your accountant and you say, have fun. Yeah. For all of our listeners out there, it's just something you toss to your accountant. I mean, all businesses should have a business accountant, right? I'm, what percentage of people listening to this do you think have an accountant? Hopefully all of them. If you use TurboTax, you're uh, not great unless you're getting paid 12 checks a year. It's much higher than you think it is. Yep. Or much lower. Um, but yeah, it's probably a good point to end on. Jim, would you like to go ahead with our credit winner of the week? No. Is that, is that an answer I can give? Also no? Uh, sad times. So our credit winner this week, which will be the last of the year, correct? Second to last. Second to last. All right. We've got one more after this. Uh, so our second to last current winner of the year is Ryan Rapkowitz. That was pro I probably said that right. It says, hi, guys. I'm not trying to make a business. I'm not in the business of trying to profit from selling cards per se. Instead, I just want to try to build inherent value by getting in on cards early that I think I might play. Standard and commander, typically. In order to in order to make playing cheaper. I know you do a pick of the week every week, but I was wondering what commander staples you think are currently undervalued and would be therefore worth buying five to eight copies for decks. Thanks and have a happy Thanksgiving. So um, really, I don't think that there's really like specific cards that are maybe undervalued that you could like buy a ton of other than cards that you're already probably going to own a lot of that are like probably colorless like a soul ring. Um, it really just depends on what kind of decks you like to build and how competitive your gaming group is, basically. Like, there are certain cards that just go into every deck and will eventually be worth more money as time goes on. Like, Psychonic Rift and Soul Ring. Well, Soul Ring is in every, like, commander deck, so maybe not that one, but, like, 
So Clonacraft is always going up because it's like kind of hard to reprint. Um, stuff in the last standard set is usually a pretty good, or, or stuff that just like recently rotated is probably a pretty good place to start. Uh, does anyone have any other ideas? Ed. Uh, go ahead, Ed. Um, I think if your goal is simply to play on the cheap, uh, just pre-ordering is it, like as as much as we make fun of people getting out in on cards too early. There's usually very very low downside to ordering a lot of cards on the cheap. Um, like most places that you can pre-order from, Star City is kind of the biggest example. They have an algorithm that self-corrects itself. The more that people buy, uh, the higher the price will go. And then once a certain inflection point is met and the price will start decreasing if people aren't ordering enough. So um, I would kind of say like you can kind of keep track of the algorithm and just see like, oh, Star City sold their first batch at this point. It's being repriced at plus 10%, there's another 40 copies. If those sell, it goes up another 10%, et cetera. Like you can kind of watch that over a few days, especially on cards you're keeping an eye on. And usually that would be just a, re a reasonable time to pull the trigger. It's like, hey, you you know, you just want like five to eight copies, just get in now. Um, so usually like that's kind of the easiest way to do standard cards. If you're looking to spec hard, obviously you're, you'll only be able to get 40 copies at a time, depending on, depending on how deep you want to go. Uh, for commander staples, I I don't really have a good idea. Commander, like commander, is one of those markets where the cards that do well will always do well, and it's pretty obvious that they'll do well. Um, I don't think it's any surprise that Immortal Sun is going to be one of those cards that you can sell a thousand copies of if that's what you had, because that's just going to be one one of the cards in commander that every deck will play. It's it's basically the modern age soul ring, as it were. Um, other than that, I, I'm, I'm not really sure how to, how, how, like really how to do it. Cause I just don't play, um, in terms of commander tables that are undervalued. Again, I don't think anything's super undervalued. Uh, you could look at market trends for like iconic masters right now. Most of the predators are way down. Warren clicks is way down. Children is way down. Um, so it's not a bad time to buy them soon. Eventually, there's going to be a point where people are going to stop opening up Iconic Masters. The price will go up. Uh, because there's just so much demand for those cards. Like, so many decks, green decks play more clicks. Um, and realistically, the card is not very good. Uh, just the scarcity of it was largely driving that card, and now supply is no longer an issue. Um, but there will be a point when people no longer open Iconic Masters in a year, but there's still that many people who need more clicks. Um so there's just no hard and fast rule. You just have to kind of fall. EDH Trek is a great tool. I like you. I'd like to refer to that site. See if like there's any new cards that all of a sudden have seen a lot more play, or any new generals that have kind of created a new archetype. Um, but that, that that's what I would offer for advice. Uh, my answer is <clears throat> a lot less specific than ads, and is going to sound like I'm being a smartass, but just read and listen to the content we produce. Like almost every time I talk about it, the pick of the week, whether it's over on MTG price or the other cast or this cast, like 70% of the time it's related to EDH. And a lot of us kind of do that because uh, we know that it's a strong market to buy from. So like, I don't know, I don't have eight of them to pull out of my pocket to give to you, but I talk about the format all the time. Um, so just pay attention to the people that are talking. And I think you'll find plenty of EDH cards that are worth piquing your interest. And for an example, like a month ago, I talked about Foil Cryptcast. Then that jumped from, I don't know, what was it, like five or six bucks or something to uh, 20 or 25 today. That's whatever a self-fulfilling prophecy. And a lot of people got flagged for that, to be fair. You should disclose that at least. Got that what? Disclose what part of it? Uh, people were commenting that your cast is listened to by a lot of people. And because you had mentioned that there weren't that many left, that it jumped because of your listeners taking advantage of that. That was like one of the main critic criticisms I saw about that. Yeah, I mean, we could dive deep into this rabbit hole. The short version of this is uh, yes, and that doesn't matter. Um, in any case, there you go. That's my point on that. I guess I, I thought a little bit more about it when you guys were talking. Pretty much the best thing to do is to buy cards whenever they get reprinted. I think that's the best time to buy in. Is they get reprinted, they go down a lot. People don't jump on them right away. Just get them released weekend. 
Yeah, I really like Iconic right now. Like, there's already stuff that's rebounding. You could have already made, like, 30 to 40% on Ether Vial in, like, one day. And that's, like, real good money. Um, there's a lot of other Iconic stuff that's going to continue to drop for a couple months. But, like, we have a buy list, and I've just been paying, like, quarters on Rift Bolts, uh, $3 on Oblivion Stones, 50 bucks on Mana Drains, um, like, 7 bucks on Thought Seas, and then I changed it to 9 when I wasn't getting enough. There's just going to be a lot of free money in a year uh, from Iconic Masters. And it's if if you're looking to pick up, like, Flusterstorms or... Uh, Mana Drain, or anything like that. Or Ether Vial, definitely. I think that's the biggest one. Uh, now's a good time to put your money down, but if it's not like those three cards, just wait for uh, another month or so, unless you see something really good on Black Friday. Uh, but all these cards should start to rebound around January or February, would be my guess, when uh, the next Ixalan set comes out and people start changing their attention on what they're opening. So that's what I would recommend. Did but, you I mean, use your cell phone underneath your mic cable? Oh, crap. How'd you know? <laughs> uh, did you hear that? Uh, yeah, we heard buzzing every time you talked. Okay. Uh, Different than I, the normal buzzing I hear every time you talk. If it's not either Vile, Mana Drain, or like Thoughtseize, wait. But if it's those three cards, buy in now. That's what I'd recommend. Or Flusterstorm. Uh, those are already rebounding. Yeah, but, that, was uh, definitely, that was definitely like a good solid question. I think like we kind of look at a different fact like obviously like jeremy you and i are in this because we like we have the business side to look at but there's no shortage of i'm sure people who uh consumer content that or people who you know read travis's articles on mtg price where you're not necessarily looking to make money on every uh card you buy like that's just not that's just, that's just not a realistic scenario but just making the game more affordable, I think that's very realistic. That's not something that requires a lot of effort. You don't have to like actively be watching the market about everything. Um, but like, if you're if your goal is simply to pay for the game, that's it's it's not, it's not that hard to do. You just have to have a little bit of common sense, a little bit of foresight, and usually, like the hobby can kind of keep itself rolling. Um, Wait, and, you can sell magic cards as a business? This what? is mind blowing. What only for Bitcoin? Jeremy's just trolling you. Ignore him. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I think that's like some that's one of the things that like we sometimes do lose sight of. So I think this question is one of those definitely down to earth questions that is worth revisiting every once in a while. Again, we don't need to squeeze every penny out of everything we do. Just the hobby paying for itself is is non tangible in itself. You really should buy list your cards with Bitcoin. All right. Moving on, Jim, if you want to pull up another question. Why? I only had one. There are some other very good questions people asked this week. So why don't you read them? I don't have it open. <laughs> my, my responsibility stops at the credit question for the week. All right. So we have a viewer that asked... I have a high number of high-end reserveless foils, Bargain, Replenish, Palancron, and Treachery. Recently, I saw you respond to another person asking about buy listing this time of year and that they should hold off since this is usually the low point for buy list. I haven't moved many of these on TCG recently, and many of them seem to be dipping in price on the retail market while buy list continue to hold strong. Okay, that makes sense because we've covered this. I'm wondering what you would do in my position. I have other resources to buy or trade with and don't need the cash at the moment. My only question is if you think these will increase enough that they are worth holding or if I should cash out now for healthy profits. I'd also like to know in general what you think the best times to buy lists are and the worst times. When do you guys usually buy list? Thanks. And that was sent from uh, Mark Burns. Ed? Uh... So the most generic answer to this is when do you normally usually use buy lists? And honestly, the answer is all the time. Um, you just always have to be aware. If your goal is to squeeze every penny you can out of every single one of your cards, kind of the opposite of what our previous question was, uh, what kind of following buy lists is the best way to get a pulse on the market. Um, you can see what cards are doing well. You see what cards are in demand. Uh, 
Bilas have so much variation on them. Star City has to constantly adjust their Bilas. Um, usually what people associate with some sort of conspiracy theory that they have inside information is not that. They don't necessarily have uh, advanced knowledge oh, something's going to be reprinted. It's more that their their demand for a particular card, usually we see it be fetch lands, for example, or dual lands or something. It's just far... Um, it's just far higher than what the supply they have to keep up. They can only acquire so many cards. So what's the way, best way to acquire more cards? You raise your buy list. It doesn't take very many people to be, oh, they're now paying $400 on underground C uh, or whatever like egregious number it was at one point. Once word of mouth gets out, hey, they're paying $400 on underground Cs. I'm going to ship them my underground Cs. And that's more or less how they um, meet meet uh, their demand. Um, and that, that's just one very small example but in that, when that happens, you're basically forcing other vendors to fall, follow suit. You don't ne- like not every vendor is going to pay four hundred dollars on underground C, for example. But it makes it so that the price of underground C goes up, and you're and people are just aware that this is more or less going to be a kind of the reset in price for underground C. And once since that happened, I want to say like kind of early September, we haven't really seen underground C has gone back down. They've gone back down a little bit. I see Star City is no longer paying that same number. Uh, but this past weekend in in Portland, for example, Channel's buy list on mm-hmm. Nearbound Ground Seas was three fifty, mm-hmm. and I shipped them a few of mine. Um, and that just kind of just sh- that just shows that there is demand out there for Underground Sea at you know four hundred dollars, four fifty, whatever uh, they're they're charging. Um, but in terms of like your high end foils, those I it's no secret I don't like foils. I would honestly say. If no one's moving and you find a reasonable buy list that you're happy with, cash out. Um, like, are they going to continue to go up because they're reserve list? Yes. If you have that much faith in the reserve list and you want to sit on them, great. Uh, but how much longer are you willing to sit on them to make an extra 10%, an extra 20%? Is it realistic that we see Poundcron get bought out again? Sure, there's not that many out there, but how many people are really going to be in the market for Poundcron at $400 or whatever? ridiculous price you want to tag on it um so so i think that's just kind of my generic answer you just always have to be aware of it there's no best time to buy this or worst time there's always always gonna be times that are better than others like we associate the end of the year with bad buy lists mainly because people need money people are willing to ship cards but you can see those sometimes several times over the course of the year sometimes when there's a huge drought in grand prix um when there's a huge job Grand Prix, usually stores will raise their buy list because, oh, we need cards. We have no Grand Prix to go to. I guess we have to raise our online buy list. So that's that. Jim? Uh, I mean, I think that Ed covered everything pretty thoroughly. Uh, I would just reiterate that, yes, generally speaking, I believe that buy lists are worse in the winter, especially during December. And they start to pick up after Christmas when people have money again. So other than that, I don't really think there's a best or worst time to buy all this stuff. Travis? Uh, Well, on the reserve list component of this question, I would say there's really no wrong amount of time to hold a reserve list card. Like, it's sort of like oil. Like, you should just never let it go because it will keep going up and up and up. For the most part, unless Saudi Arabia tries to screw American shell producers. Uh, but in any case, there's you will see minor dips in like reserveless foils, but they're reserveless and they're not making them again. So really, you can ride that train for as long as you want. So it's just a question of when are you willing to, to get off of the train? Basically, when is the money that you have wrapped up in those going to gain faster being somewhere else is essentially when you should get out. Uh, so if it feels like it's slowing down, then now is probably the time to get to get rid of them. But like theoretically, you could hold on to them for a very long time. Although I do wonder, you know, kind of idly, when I'm 45 or 50 years old in 20 years, uh, well, not 50, when I'm 52, which will be 20 years, um, will they still be as worth as much today as, will they be worth, worth as much then as they will be now? That I don't know about. That does seem like it might be a little tricky for them to hold that long. 
I just want to reiterate that we talked about BIOS on high-end stuff on the past couple casts, and it shows that vendors still are pretty confident that they're not adjusting their buy prices even as the market falls. And I agree that we will see a resurgence in some of these reserveless foils next year when people have the money to buy them again. So like, as so- if someone walks into my shop with those, I'm happy to pick them up and then just sit on them for like, a, like four to five months and then just sell them uh, when the retail number starts rising again. So that's as long as you have the money, I would just be patient. Like you should never put all of your eggs in one basket anyways. So uh, diversifying is key. And of course, for our last viewer question of the week, Nathan Klein asks, Hey, aristocrats, do you guys think 2018 will be the hardest year for most local game shops to succeed to date? Wizards has sent the precedent for premium product availability in big box stores with iconic masters and continues to flood the market with MTG product each quarter. How do stores adapt? Ed? Oh, this is a fun one. Um, So I think the biggest problem here is that so many distributors are willing to deal with big box stores. And realistically, those are the people that most store owners should be concerned with. Uh, it's hard to, it doesn't matter on a micro level, but it's just, if you kind of go down the pipeline, this is the reason it affects us, right? For example, the, the, a good analogy, a good non-magic analogy that we can use is pop figures, for example, right? So anyone who collects pops, they're the little Funko figures. Um, I don't know if one of you guys have them handy, just show someone, um, God, no, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys have seen them. You can get them at GameStop. You can get them at Target. You can get them at cons. They have plenty of these exclusives. The biggest threat to us is that it used to be that you would get exclusive ones in cases you order. You'd buy a case of six and one of the six would be a unique one and you could sell them for a large markup somewhere to help people sell comics. The difference, the difference is when big box stores have access to them, they have so much money to play with. They have so much money to play with that. Uh, What's your dad think about Funko Pops? Well, one second. I think he's grounded, guys. <laughs> um, when you have someone like Target, they can put out orders. They can approach Funko. Hey, Star Wars: The Last Jedi is coming out in two months. We need a we need a Target exclusive pops made. We're willing to buy 5 million pop figures for all our Target stores across the nation. How does a game store compete with that? Like, you're when they have that much money to throw at a distributor, what kind of distributor would be would not say, oh, you can have a unique helmet on a Star Wars pop, for example, and you can just sell them only in your stores. And that just kind of waters down the ones that are already available. So when we talk about Iconic Masters, it used to be, Iconic Masters was, oh, it was a super, or not Iconic Masters, but these reprint sets, they were super limited print runs. It was a way for stores to get a little boon. MSRP on them is uh, is $10. For a while, people were selling packs at, what, $12, $15, $18, depending on demand. Now, now that that's the case, like, why is there any markup? Because MSRP at it is going to be MSRP at Target, at Walmart. And if you kind of followed the uh, Reddit um, posts, like there were, they were selling up at discount rates due to a pricing error, and that's just complete. That, like, how does how does a store compete with that? Because even selling at MSRP, right? You have so many people who just went out to big box stores and just bought them below MSRP, and a lot of them were impulse buys. A lot of people found out about it, and you're basically pulling business away from traditional local game stores to these big boxes. Um, and those are the real competitors that like that I would be concerned about. Um, because realistically, I don't care what Star City does, what they price their cards at. There, there's nothing I can do about that. What Channel Fireball does, I can't do anything about that. Um, but the things like Big Box, those we have all those in the backyard. All of us, like I'm sure most of us don't live very far from a Target, Walmart. And these are very realistic things. And every time you go by, and it's like, oh, I can buy a blister pack of my Cockmasters because I have $10 in my pocket. I want to crack them. Or $30 in your pocket or whatever. Right, you're driving business away from local game stores, and that's really going to hurt the game stores that rely on it as kind of a like a small cash boon, as like a bonus, as it were, for being um, local to uh, loyal to their distributors, etc. They took our jobs. 
Oh my god, Travis. Oh my god, why? That was something. Jim? Um, so other than the things that Ed has said, I don't think that 2018 is going to be a particularly good year just financially for Americans. Um, obviously, like, I don't like to get political on the cast, but obviously the politics of what's happening right now could affect <laughs> what? I don't like to get political, but those jokers in Congress. <laughs> I mean, they, the things that they do have real impact on people's lives and they're spending money. And when I'm you're talking about a hobby. I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't want to get into that, but there are things that could happen that could negatively affect the majority of the magic player base and they're Jim available. The yeah. I wouldn't say that specifically, but a large portion of magic players are college age kids that don't have a lot of money. Like that's just, that's just the, that's just the problem is a lot of the, a lot of the player base is between 18 and 22, probably in college. It doesn't have a lot of money. There's not a whole lot you could do about that. And if they have less money after, tax changes or healthcare changes because people's healthcare they've already seen has gone up significantly from the previous year for most people. That money has to come from somewhere. And it's probably going to come out of their magic budget. That's just the thing that's going to happen. I have a feeling that that will also negatively impact stores because magic is not something you need to live and is a thing that people can and should cut out of their lives if they can't afford it. Of course, that brings us back to the people that like have to sell magic cards to like make their rent, and then in which case, like I don't, I don't really understand like why you do that. I don't know why you just pay rent in the first place. But I have a feeling that some more responsible people will not be able to purchase as many cards as they would like. I think the floor fall. Well, I'll let Travis get into it. In other uh, news, my iPhone 10 came in. No right. one cares, Ed. Get a better <laughs> mic, Travis. I wait. The iPhone 10's probably got a better mic than what he's using on his computer, <laughs> and camera, and screen. <laughs> uh, I lost track of the question. Oh, how do stores adapt? Uh, start selling something other than magic, probably. I don't know. This seems real rough if you are in the business of only selling magic. I guess you start. You have to lean on selling space and time rather than selling product, right? Like that's where your profit will come from. But I don't run a store, so it's hard for me to say for sure. But Wizards sure is not making your life easy if you run a store. I sold a bunch of boxes expecting them to be shop-only things. And like the day that all of my pre-orders were shipping out is when everyone's like, oh, this is in Walmart. And it was like, ah, crap. Do they all want refunds? It was not a good feeling on my end. So, I don't know, man. Like... We the thirty dollars that they could have spent on three packs at our shop goes to some faceless big box store that like doesn't help their local gaming community. They don't have a place to play. They don't really care what product it is as long as their margins are good. And they're not exactly known for treating their employees well. And then like it really sucks to just have customers be like, Oh, I'm buying it at this big box store instead of coming in here. And we're even cheaper. It's like, it, well, why'd you buy it? It's like, oh, I just saw it on the shelves. It is amusing to me to hear you, rightfully so, be frustrated with this arrangement and to describe it in such language when really what you have described is the nugget of capitalism. <laughs> yeah, and I'm perfectly fine with it because I'm insulated from having all my eggs in the magic basket, but for... The shops that I work with, besides like my local area, it's not great for them. So it is great for capitalism that singles are going lower than expected and that I can pay three, two to three dollars on Oblivion Stones. Like that's obscene that Oblivion Stones are cheaper than uh, Mishra's Bobbles. Uh, this is good to remind me. I need to buy some of those now. I've been like right. waiting forever and using like the like three discs that I've gotten out of like random commander reprints. And I'm just like, I don't want to buy it in oblivion stone. That card's way too expensive because it's being played in modern. You know what you should do all. We should go back to that question. We were talking about commander staples that are undervalued right now. 
Oblivion Stone is a card that can go in literally any deck because it's colorless and is extremely cheap right now. I'm going to go buy some. The problem is if you activate it too many times in one game, the cops will arrest you because you're getting stoned with your opponents. You guys ready to move into pick of the week? That was not good. Like, that was... Like, that was real bad. That was like F. Well, that, was that, was, F. that was like F minus. Like, I know that that's not really a thing, but it should be because of that. Pick of the week. Ed, are you too busy talking with your friends or do you actually have a cohesive argument this week? Uh, I like Hotly Warrior Poet. It's one of the Planeswalkers that has done nothing but slip since it's since it first came out. Planeswalker Syndrome, and it's done nothing but slowly slip uh, since. Uh, slowly been uh, been slipping since then. You can buy it for I think less than five dollars off GCG Player now. <laughs> Man, that is a treat. <laughs> he is a treat. So Ed's dad um, owns. Ed's dad, permanent cast member, 2020. Uh, it's the reason that I think it's being not played right now is because the upside of it, hey, producing a 3-3 dinosaur creature, it, that basically doesn't trade with anything uh, because of how good energy is in the format. You will never be able to trade with a long tusk cub. You'll never be able to trade with a bristling hydra. Um, and for that reason, it's kind of easy to overpower it. Um, if we ever get to a point where the red-white decks kind of have a way to use this as a top end. Um, I think it might see a rebound. It seems like it's one of those cards on paper. It's it's too cheap for its cost. It should be more powerful than that, and it should be worth more than the $5 it is. Um, so, I again, I think, if going back to our original question, if you want to keep five copies, like, hey, you're in this for... 20 to 25 dollars sure i'm sure i'm sure you'll live if that's if that's what you want in the event that it does get more expensive great you got them for five dollars and you can cash out for you know ten dollars if that's what settles that um I, i'm obviously always a big um big advocate of standard mythics and i think this is one of those where everything is just kind of trending downwards this is where you want to be buying jim Um, I'm actually looking at the Ixalan cards also, and I think that Jace is another kind of card that's the, the, uh, Ixalan Jace, uh, Cunning Castaway, I believe is the subtitle for him. He's also quite cheap and quite good. Like, he's a three-mana Planeswalker, a lot of people have forgotten, but, you know, we're gonna get more pirate cards in the next set, Pirates of Evasion, they're base blue, like, we can have something going on there. Uh, after the set comes out, the next set comes out, or even, you know, a little bit later into the year after um, Taladash and Amon Kit rotate out and we get to, you know, get all those energy cards out of the format. So I, I'm kind of, kind of like lukewarm interested in, in Jace. I'd probably buy a couple copies if I, if I was going to play with it. Um, I probably wouldn't go like, you know, 50 copies deep. I don't think it's that good of a card with what we haven't seen yet. Um, but definitely if you were like wondering when there's a good time to get it for your personal collection is definitely probably one of the lower lowest prices you'll see. Travis. I don't really have a good choice. Like, you know, that whole, if there's nothing there, don't buy, like I'm kind of in that position right now. There's just nothing that really has my attention. Like there's some small things here and there. Maybe, you know, I wrote about a couple cards, but I'm not going to double dip and there's just nothing. There's just nothing there for me right now. I am staying away. I guess, honestly, the thing that I'm going to spend the most time thinking about putting my money into is Bitcoin. Uh, it's bad. And you it's know bad. what, Travis? It is perfectly acceptable to not try and spend money or your equity every chance you get. It is okay to just take a seat back and relax and take a breath and clear your head. Keep so I appreciate I, where you're coming from. Yeah, keep in mind, I also just got had a wedding uh, so like I have to balance a lot of money for in the near term, you know, before I'm stable. And I guess I'll go last as this audio seeps into your, uh, your ears listeners without any Arigato Gozaimasu in the background from Ed, you know, just, uh, just that clean audio. My pick of the week is, uh, Oblivion Stone. This is a card that I went real deep on when it went down to $3 and 75 cents. And I think this card hits $10 in a year. And even if I don't, there's always commander players that want to play with this card. 
And even if it's not good and modern right now, if it does become good and modern next year, this is also free money. Channel Fireball's BIOS is at $2. I think Star City is buying these at $1.50. I do not feel like you can lose picking up one of these for an EDH deck and worst case selling it for a 50% profit in the future. So that's my pick of the week. Now, where can people find you guys as our audio whispers you off to a lovely drive to work? What is uh, wrong with you? Sorry, what is wrong with you? What? Definitely what not an doing? ASMR person. Oh, okay. Definitely not that. That's why you have that only. The, uh, I don't have enough time to explain it to you here. I recognize the name. We'll get into it after the cast. Ed, where can people find you with better audio and better video and better quality? Uh, at Edwin13 on Twitter. Um, I will probably be in Madrid in... Uh, actually, this weekend I'll be in San Jose. There's a Pokemon Regals down there. Uh, I'll be off for one week. Uh, Grand Prix Madrid is after that. And then I will close out the year at Grand Prix New Jersey with a Kerwin's booth. And on Facebook, taking your Bitcoin. Jim. Uh, my name is Jim Kazai. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. And that is the only place you will find me for the next month um, because I am taking a vacation from writing. But I'll be back in January. Travis. I am Travis Allen. I'm at Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Monday for MTG Price. I also do the MTG Fast Finance podcast. And if you like playing Magic... Check out scry.land, find magic in your area. I'm Jeremy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MissouriMTG. We have a Legacy 5K going on next year in St. Louis. So if you're interested in playing in that, uh, follow me on Twitter for more information. Uh, we will be back with our final cast of the year next week. If there's anything you guys want us to cover besides the highlights of our year of recording, uh, let us know. Tweet to us at cartel underscore finance or shoot us a message on Cartel Aristocrats on Facebook. You are always welcome to download our cast on iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. We will try to get After Hours up in December. I'm not sure how that will go. But thanks for listening to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 80, and we'll see you guys next week.